This is the Seminole Wars Authority. Hello and welcome. This episode marks an anniversary for the podcast. Three full years worth of Seminole Wars Authority. We have done as we said we would do when we set out on this long march. We canvassed far and wide for authorities in possession of knowledge about the Seminole Wars. Some are historians, John Missel and Jesse Marshall and Chris Kimball. Some are professors, Dr. Jim Kusick and Dr. Joe Konech, among many others. Some are artists, such as Johnny Montgomery and Jackson Walker. Some are just self-described regular guys with an interest in living history presentations of this conflict, such as citizen scholar Jeff Snively and truck driver and surveyor Jerry Morris. Oh yes, we've also interviewed a long list of reenactors, never call it cosplay if you value your life, all have something interesting to say and meaningful to contribute to the conversation. Chris Kimball, whom along with Jesse Marshall knows everything, understands everything, and recalls everything about the Seminole Wars, tells me he always learns something new and useful from listening to a Seminole Wars podcast. That's a gold medal to my chest. Now, given that this podcast hosts subject matter experts in their given fields of interest, I now reluctantly concede I must be the subject matter expert this week. So I turn over the host chair to Steve Rink, our president of the Seminole Wars Foundation. Welcome, Patrick Swan, to the Seminole Wars Authority. Steve, thank you. I've been looking so forward to being in this hot seat and grilled with these terribly, terribly difficult questions. Yeah, I bet you were. Well, let's go ahead and start. Right now, we're marking the last episode of our third year of podcasting. Did you think you would ever be still here doing this three years later? I did, but not everybody did. I think there was a foundation president who thought maybe we'd get 10 or 20 episodes. I don't know. I'd have to see what he has to say about that. Don't know who that would have been. No, no, not at all. I had a million ideas. I sat down and I wrote down uh, 125 topics before I began and said, yeah, I think I've got enough to do a podcast. Although podcasts, you can do one episode. You can do six. It's a special type thing. But we've got 155 episodes now in three years. And we're still going. We can do another three years. Well, that's pretty impressive. But uh, tell me, how did you come about deciding to host a podcast? Ah, uh, yes. We're looking at the Foundation's mission, and one of them is raising awareness of the Seminole Wars. And one of the ways that we do that is publishing. It seemed to me this is a form of publishing. It's just digital publishing online. And this would be a way to share. We have a vast network of subject matter experts on a variety of topics regarding the Seminole Wars. And the podcast let us tap into that knowledge. So that's what I was looking for with the podcast, is to get that knowledge on the record so other people can learn from what our people know. Well, this is, might be a dumb question, because I know that you're a public historian and you're interested in various aspects of history, worldwide history, but just how did you decide to focus specifically on the Seminole Wars and why? I became interested in the Seminole Wars because we can get our arms around the Seminole Wars. Unlike the Civil War, you're going to have to grab some type of one aspect of it and make that your specialty. With us, we can do the entire Seminole Wars. And living in Florida and being around the sites where these things happen, I thought, this is untread or untrod ground. Let's do a podcast and see what we can unearth. Mm -hmm. 
Where did you get the name for the podcast? All right. Well, I went through a lot of names. It's it's a strange, convoluted process. And I checked with people. I went with the uh, Paul Backhouse at the tribe. I uh, went to Patsy West. Went to a number of folks and said, well, what do you think about this as a name? The one that I was leaning towards was called Manifest Indemnity. Manifest Destiny. Americans are destined to populate the continent from one sea to the other sea. Manifest Indemnity. However, talking about how bad the Seminole Wars were to the Seminole in particular, I thought that might be good, but then it might require some explaining. And in the end, I just settled on Seminole Wars as descriptive enough to get people in. And I'll have this back as after about two years, we changed the name to the Seminole Wars Authority. Why is it that you changed that name? Talking to Chris Kimball, he said, Patrick, you seem presumptuous. Putting yourself up as the Seminole Wars Authority. And I explained to Chris, I'm not the authority. I'm the host. The authority are my guests. And if you want to know about the Seminole Wars, come to the Seminole Wars Authority because we've got the authorities on the Seminole War. 150-something episodes with our guests. And you can learn something. So I just thought that was a better representation. For all things Seminole Wars, come to the authority, the Seminole Wars Authority. And that's why we call it that. When folks hear the Seminole Wars Authority, they can say, that's where you want to go because they probably had all the information that we need. That's the goal that I set out, is to present as much of that as possible. Glenn, why did you decide to focus on Seminole efforts to evade removal as the podcast theme rather than U.S. government efforts to remove Seminole? I mean, these are two sides of the same coin, but not really. Yes, yes. It comes down to perspective, and the perspective of almost 200 years. It's really about the Seminoles' efforts to avoid the removal and all the things that went into trying to get them to remove. By telling that story, which is a continuing story, the Seminoles don't want to be removed. 200 years later, they're happy in Florida, those from the tribe in Florida. How hard was it to persuade the board to actually greenlight the podcast and what stipulations, if any, did they place on you? Yeah, I said, Steve, I want to do a podcast. And he said, don't involve me. <laughs> I understand, because that's more things on your plate. And so I understood if I could do it and not be creating work or trouble for the board or for the president, Steve, then let me go. And you gave me a long leash, and I run with it. And what types of guests did you want to interview, and why? This type of thing gets into, oh, well, you need to interview a lot of professors because they're in universities and they've done all this study and so forth. And that's true. However, there's much more to this topic than what you get from a professor in a university. They're not the final verdict on what the answer is. So they may be a verdict. They may be supporting information. But there's a lot of folks out there who have information about the Seminole Wars who can contribute to a discussion about it who don't live in the ivory tower. And so I decided I would have some academics, and we have had Dr. Jim Kusick, Dr. Joe Kinech, a number of academics on with us, and they provide excellent perspective on what happened. But I've also had on folks from all walks of life, and I wanted to cast a wide net. If somebody has a niche and they have something that our listeners would find interesting to add to their knowledge about the Seminole Wars, why not bring them on? Give a buddy guest back as well. Why is that? Well, like in the case of Chris Kimball, he had several books that he published, and each of them had a unique facet for folks to learn about the Seminole Wars. One was how it was covered in the Army-Navy Chronicle. Another is a listing of the battles of the Seminole and Creek Wars. And then Jesse Marshall, who's just a font of information, 
Turning a conversation with Jesse Marshall into two episodes from one was an easy matter. I once spoke to Jesse for five hours on a variety of topics, recorded it, and that conversation became Marshall Matters of the Seminole Wars. If somebody has more than one topic to talk about, I'm happy to bring them back and explore that. You know, I've noticed that your podcasts are diverse, but yet they have a certain type of continuity. Each one has a set of rules that you apply to them. What is your golden rule, I guess I could say, for each episode? And, you know, why do you do that? My golden rule is no more than 60 minutes per podcast episode. It's taxing on people to grab more than an hour of their time. Up to an hour, that's one thing. Trying to get into a second hour of discussion, I think we'll lose them. So if it does come down to it's going to be significantly over 60 minutes, I'll look back at what the content is and see whether I can break it up to a two-part episode. Listeners have two chances, under an hour for each one of them. And I recently did that with Jesse Marshall. We've been collecting things to go in our research library. One of them, we obtained a batch of old newspapers from the 1830s. And I gave them to Jesse Marshall to review and see what's in there that might be of interest to us. And he talked to us. We ran that episode of what was in newspapers covering three different Seminole Wars. But then we went over an hour and Jesse started talking about the importance of this and other aspects, identifying the value of what was in these newspapers and how we take that and apply it towards what we've read now in history books and so forth. So when we went over 60 minutes, I thought, well, maybe I'll have to cut something out. But then as we still had good content, I just said, I'm going to wrap it up at 60 minutes and then bring them back to talk about these other things in our next episode. And that golden rule is almost inviolate. I don't want to go over 60 minutes. And I'll cut out some content if I have to, just so that my listeners only have to dedicate a block of one hour. How easy is it to actually edit your interviews and to cut out content? Or, in other words, the magic of your post-production. How do you do that? Yes, I wish I had a program where I could put in one of the word ticks that I hear. You know, um, and then do a search and find and remove all of them. But instead, of, I've got to manually take them out. What I found is the listener, if somebody has a word tick, a you know, a basically, um, ums, when you're a listener, and once that becomes something you're aware of, you almost can't get it out of your head. And then as the person goes on and talks, you keep focusing on ums and basically. Would he stop saying basically? Um, you knows. So I go in and I manually take out as many of them as I can. Sometimes they are applicable, but when it's used every time, then it's a word taken, it distracts the listener. So I'll go and I'll take that out. Sometimes they might misspeak. They don't realize it at the time, but if they misspeak about something that's a historical date or a historical event, and they mention that in the podcast, if we don't catch it in post-production, I'll go in and I'll probably just cut that portion out so that listeners are not misinformed about a particular Spent a couple hours on this. I had an introduction and a front and back bumper music. And then I get to actually publishing it. It's odd. It's an audio. So you say, why do you need photos? Well, on our homepage for the podcast, we illustrate some of the things that the guests talk about. It takes me a couple hours to put that together with the right photos, helping to enhance what was talked about in the story. I don't gripe about this. I'm happy to do it. And it, it does reflect where the magic comes from take the raw audio from a guest and turn it into something that's compelling to listen to. I've noticed that too, Patrick, that over the years, and it's up to about three now, as we said, your podcast has changed. The uh, 
tenor of it changes somewhat, and the, uh, not the tempo, but uh, you know what you're talking about, how you do it. I'll take it from the top. We started with front bumper music from Rita Youngman and back bumper music from Jed Merrim and Ricky Pittman. I used that as a musical cover to introduce the podcast to listeners and then be able to give a short description of what the podcast is about. And on the back end, you know, the credits. Over time, I felt we'd established that and we didn't really need to spend so much time. Rather, give us some musical introduction briefly and get us in. So I changed. I also decided to minimize the length of my questions as listeners want to hear our guests and not their host blathering. I introduced the new theme during our Martial Matters series. It's a solid military snare drum sound provided by, ironically, the U.S. Navy Band, not the U.S. Army Band. Okay, let's spill it, Big Shot. How many episodes have you absolutely botched the recording and the editing, and what happened? What did you do about it? Oh, there's been at least five and, and almost possibly as many as ten. Oh, I'm just horrified. It takes time. As I'm ramping this up, I make mistakes. I learn things. Right now we're speaking, and I have an air conditioner blasting. However, I'm going to take the air conditioner blast out, and then it'll be a quieter podcast. But back in the day, I didn't know how to do that. So I spoke to Dr. Anthony Dixon and forgot that I had the air conditioner on, and half the podcast had large noise going on it. And I had to call Dr. Dixon with my hat in my hand and say, would you, would you talk to me again? I had the air conditioner on. Dave Eckert, I finished with him talking about the Marines in the Second Seminole War, and I went to listen to it, and it got recorded at the level of one. Not five, not ten, not even eleven, but one. And so it was too low to be able to get anything out of. And I had to call Dave right back and say, Dave, could, could we just do this again, please? I botched it, and he's a good sport. And usually what I do with our guests is I'll say, and to compensate you for the trouble of me going back to you, I'll make yours the next one that we publish. And that usually modifies first. Mea culpa happens, and it's better to get it right than to put it out there where it just sounds terrible. Yeah. Now, there's Rachel Cox. And there's Dale Cox, and I've interviewed them both several times, and at least twice for them. Somehow, first time you mess it up, uh, it's an accident, and then you get self-conscious about it. You're like, oh, I can't mess this up, and then you end up making mistakes. So for both of them, I ended up having to do Mia Coppola's calling back and said, could we, could we re-record this because I messed it up? And we've redone it, and we've had fantastic episodes. And that just tells me, even if I have to eat some humble pie, it's better to go back to the guest and put out something for our listeners that is presentable and listenable and not flawed. It's kind of a feather in your cap, too, Patrick, when you have people like that you call back. Of course, they're very generous with their time for you, but it also shows a compliment to you of the fact that they believe that that podcast was a valuable thing. So why not do it again, and possibly even a second or third time until you get it right? Steve, you've got that right. Patrick. Your podcasts are not simple retelling of battle narratives, although it could have been. Uh, why didn't you limit it to such? Or if you say, uh, why do you cast a wide net? Yeah, I cast a wide net because my audience is not all military or military veterans. Our listeners come from many walks of life. It would really be limiting to just do a dissection on each battle and each skirmish and what did he do wrong. That's not really what I wanted to do. I want to present that, but as part of a wider picture. So, we have people on. Johnny Montgomery talked to us about 
the artwork that he does as a Seminole Maroon and a Gullah. He talked about all that went into that. I also interviewed Jackson Walker, renowned Florida artist, and talked to him about what he puts into a historical rendering of an event from the Seminole Wars. I've talked to musicians, Ricky Pittman, about the songs of the Seminole War that he performed. People will see him at events and so forth. Uh, lots of stuff. If somebody's an archivist, I want to know what they do. How do they put all this stuff in a way that the public can get a hold of it? And just to show how far I'm willing to go, I talked to Jeff Snively. Yes. Jeff Snively is a regular guy. He's a spectator who's come to Seminole War reenactment events for 40 years. But he's got something to say. And he had important things to say as an observer of how this went about for 40 years. These are kind of things that a regular historian in a book He's got a narrative he's got to put out. He's not going to cover things like this. But with this podcast, you can get wide range of curiosity things that you say, well, that's really neat, and then put it into your overall understanding. You know, for the last couple of board meetings, at least, you've tried to bring up this idea about a transcript book. What is it about this book idea that you have? Why is that important to you? Well, right now, of course, everybody you can, you can go online to someofthewars.podbean.com and listen to an episode. You can subscribe, and it's sent to your phone or other device to listen to it. We actually have transcripts. The general listener who finds something in a podcast that they've some use for, they don't have a transcript. They don't have an easy way to find these type of things. Well, we've got 150-something episodes, and we have tackled a couple themes, so We've got enough that we could take the transcripts from these podcasts and package them along with the images that we used on the website as another means for listeners to learn about what our guests share. We have one book related to the march of Major Day to get to Bushnell, to get to the Day Battlefield State Historic Park. But we could take all the episodes we have about Black Seminoles, put them in a book. As I talk to more artists, we might have a book with just what the artists say and portray about the Seminole Wars. These will be things you can pull off the shelf. You can listen to the podcast if you want to, but you don't have to. You could just pick up the book and read what our guest said and then pull that information out for some use that you may have. What are some areas or topics or people that you feel you have neglected and what would you like to give greater coverage to? Well, uh, I get folks that turn me down and I say, well, yeah, they turn me down for that. I'll circle back later and see if I can get them on. I try not to dismiss somebody as never wanting to, to do a podcast. I have a couple of individuals that have said no. I retain hope that at some point in the future, as the right circumstance comes about, that I can talk to them. And I can stress this because there's some folks whose opinion might be very different from mine. I still want to get them on the podcast. Even though they're saying, well, I don't want to do it. Well, okay, but I want our listeners to hear your research and your narrative and your theory. And this is a chance for you to talk about Even if I don't agree with the narrative that you have, I want our listeners to decide for themselves. So that's why I keep this, keep this out as, you know, one day, I'll, maybe I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, yeah, you really ought to, all right, it's time, I'll do the podcast. We'll get somebody on. There's maybe five people that I have wanted to get on that I haven't been able to get on but I still hold out hope in the future. Kevin Slaughter, George Webb, excellent living historians, portraying a variety of characters from the 1830s. I want you on the podcast. C.S. Monaco, Claudio Sant, 
both professors, both with intriguing theories and narratives to share. We want to hear what you have to say. So, if you're listening, or your friends are listening and tell you about this, come and tell your stories. As I do with all our guests, I'll treat you right. What is your overall big picture for your podcast? What are you trying to accomplish with these podcasts each week, and for that matter, overall? Our understanding of the Seminole Wars is a patchwork. We take a giant patchwork that has all these little aspects of it put together. That's what these podcasts are. If you listen to this podcast once a week for the last three years, you're going to know a lot about the Seminole Wars, not just the battles. Other interesting things. How did they move the mail? Well, I talked to somebody, Tom Lira, a couple weeks ago, and he told us about the Seminole Agency up in Ocala and how they moved the mail. Who knew? Well, I've got a very fascinating episode out of Tom, and our listeners learned another aspect about the Seminole Wars. Some may know of the unfortunate mail carrier, Private Dalton, whom Seminole ambushed and killed and scattered his mail in 1835. But that's probably the extent one knows about the mail carrying during that period for U.S. government business and the U.S. Army in particular. With Tom Lira, we get the rest of the story. You take that and match it with the artists that I've talked to, as well as the battle narratives and so forth, you get a big mosaic of what the Seminole Wars were all about. And from that, that's raising the awareness so that if our listeners go away with a greater understanding, that's the overall picture of why we do the podcast. It's meant as a support mechanism to the Seminole Wars Foundation, whose overall mission is to raise awareness. So this is one facet of it. Patrick, not infrequently, I get people to bring up topics and they want to offer them for our, our use and uh, maybe look further into them. And sometimes I have to ask in response, how does this fulfill our mission? Our mission is really threefold. It's to identify and to preserve sites that were significant to the Seminole Wars, do research about the wars themselves, and to publish original books and documents from that, and also to, to really maintain an educational process for the public at large to know more about this very significant time, not only in Florida history, but of American history. How does your podcast series fulfill that mission? The Foundation has published a number of books and pamphlets over time about the Seminole Wars, and publishing is publishing. We think that means coming off a printer, but you can digitally publish these days. And so this is designed as a concurrent effort with the printed publishing that the Foundation does, and a way that we can get knowledge out to the public without filters from publishing and then trying to get it into somebody's hands. There's shipping, all that kind of stuff. Whereas with the podcast, you can download it seconds after it's published online and immediately start learning more about the Seminole Wars. How does the podcast series fit into the overall archival design for the Frank Wilmer Center for Seminole Wars Studies? Steve, I'm glad you asked about that. That's going to be an area of discussion for our next podcast. And the reason I say that is because these podcasts, as I mentioned, are digital, and they're serving as a type of oral history with all these subject matter experts who have some aspect of the Seminole Wars that they can contribute. Now, with the transcripts that we have, and now three years of archives, someone can go back and see what some of these subject matter experts have said. We see their writings, but then we want to know what do they actually say themselves. Often, of course, it's the same thing. But we may get some nuances, and that's where this comes in, as an oral way 
to obtain the knowledge that we want to share with people who are interested in the Seminole Wars. Patrick, I can tell you that uh, this has been interesting. I thought I knew all about your podcast, but I learned a lot, a lot more during uh, this session that we've had together. So I think we need to do this again sometime soon. We need to expand a little bit. Would you agree? I would agree. I think we're right to talk about the Lommer Center for Seminole War Studies. You know, with a good discussion about the, all the things that are going on in that. Well, then, as you say, thank you, Patrick, for participating in the Seminole War Authority. I'm so glad to have been here. Thank you, Steve. This podcast is copyright 2023. The Seminole Wars Foundation. All rights reserved. Find us on the web at seminolewars.podbean.com or seminolewars.us. Front and back bumper music courtesy of the U.S. Navy Band.